Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Everlasting Father, we thank you once again for this nation. We are here to listen to your word. We pray that your spirit will, will quicken us and cause these words to impact us and change us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please take your seats. Today, I'm speaking on Josiah, the Reformer. And in case I'm not able to finish making my points, what I want to share with you is seven lessons from Josiah's life. And lesson number one from his prophetic birth. Lesson number two from his youthful life. Lesson number three his encounter with the word of God. Lesson number four, the impact of his leadership and life. Lesson number five, his Bible-based reform. And, and lesson number six, from his Bible-based Passover. And then the seventh lesson from his untimely death. Now, for some time now as a church, you have been examining the judges and the kings. And one truth shines out. The wickedness of the human heart. We see, I mean, you can't read the judges without weeping. Fourteen judges, and each of them with a moral flaw. And as you read, you are like, oh, and the highs and the lows. And then you come to the kings. Uh, the first three kings rule 40 years each. So 120 years. 
Saul, David, and Solomon. Then, under Solomon's son Rehoboam, there is a division of the kingdom. Now, the northern kingdom lasted for a period of just over 200 years with 19 kings, all of them bad. The very best among them, bad ones, was Jehu. And even he was not able to undo the idolatry that Jeroboam started. Then, the Vedic line passed through Rehoboam and lasted a period of just about 345 years. In all, they had a total of 17 kings and only three of them were good. Jehoshaphat, then Hezekiah, and the one we are looking at today, Josiah. And once again, as you travel through the highs and lows, your heart is torn because you ask yourself, can God not find a trustworthy human being? Is it, is it impossible for God to find one righteous person? Now, my lesson number one is from the prophetic birth of Josiah. In the Bible, God tries to show human beings that he is in control. Even though we envy him for his foreknowledge, and some people wish God didn't know so much. In 1 Kings chapter 13, from verse 1 to 3, a man of God from Judah came to prophesy to the altar in front of King Jeroboam and said, Oh, altar! Altar, altar, a son will be born to the kingdom of David, who will defile you and bend dead men's bones on you. It took three, three hundred years for this child, Josiah, to be born. He was specifically mentioned by name. And the reason we know it was not a ploy 
is that his grandfather Manasseh was by far the most wicked king that Judah ever had. And his father Amnon, Amnon was worthless. So it is not as though they had consulted God to bring forth a godly child. He didn't grow in a home that he would be proud of. And he did exactly what was prophesied by the man of God from Judah 300 years earlier. He burned dead men's bones on the altar to desecrate the altar that Jeroboam had built in Bethel. He did exactly that. And as he was, you know, saying, rake up these, you know, dead bones and, and bend them here, he saw the grave of the man of God from Judah who prophesied what he was doing. So, he said, whose grave is that? And the men of the town said, this is the man of God from Judah who prophesied about all that you are doing today. And he said, leave his bones. Don't disturb him. The issue of God's foreknowledge and predestination is only controversial to people who do not know God and His grace. Because the scriptures are clear that God knows the end from the beginning. And in Genesis 17, He told, um, he told Abraham that Ishmael will have 12 children, 12 sons. And that's what came to pass in Genesis 25. He told Rebekah that there are twins in your womb. They are boys. And that's exactly what came to pass. He prophesied, Isaiah prophesied about the, the birth of Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. And he came exactly the way it was prophesied. Now, Every born again child of God has a prophetic word on your life. It is in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. The scripture says that for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, Those whom God foreknew, he predestined that they should be conformed to the image of his Son, so that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, God chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Even Paul, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, he says that God chose me from my mother's womb. And God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, verse 
5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I set you apart. I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. I quote these verses because some of us, when we read these things, we say, oh, these people, God has predestined them. That's why. That's why. Well, the rest of us are full of fools. We, we, we are just, we are on this earth, you know, moving around to find ourselves some dishonorable graves. That's all. Every born again child of God has a tag on your chest as you come forth. When you come to know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, the greatest thing you can do for yourself is to ask what Paul asked in Acts 9, 6. That, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus told him, rise up, go into the city. It will be told you what you must do. There is no life in Christ that has no destiny, purpose. And Josiah clearly shows us this. Because he walked in the ways that God foreknew. And as we progress, you will see that it is not automatic that once God foreknows and predestines in Christ, it means you are a slave to do whatever God tells you to do. You have your free will and you can exercise it with the consequences. Number two is Josiah as a youth. Josiah was eight years old when he was made king. And second king no, let's take the Chronicles rather. Second Chronicles chapter 34 verse 3 says, even from that young age, he began to seek the Lord. And he started making reforms at that age. Second Chronicles chapter 34 verse 3. Yes. For in the eighth year of his reign, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. He began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, and in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. The Asherim and the carved and the metal images. You know, when you read Second Chronicles, from if you are you can be fast, let's do it. Second Chronicles twenty four one talks about Joash, who was seven years when he was made king. Yes. Second Chronicles 24.1 Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. He was seven years when he began to reign, Joash. And he then, reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. Then 25.1 Amaziah 
25 years old. Amaziah was 25 years old when, when he, he began be- to reign. Yes, 26 1. Now we are 26 1. Uzziah. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, yes. who was 16 years old. And Uzziah king. was 16 years old when he began to reign. Yes. 27-1. Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign. Jotham, 25 when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Yes. Next. Ahaz, verse 1, chapter 28, yes. Second Chronicles. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Ahaz, 20 years old. Yes. Next chapter. We are just reading chapter twenty-one, verse Chronicles. one. Yes. Hezekiah began to reign when he was twenty-five years Hezekiah, old. Hezekiah, twenty-five years and old. And he reigned twenty-nine years in Jerusalem. Please jump to thirty-three, chapter thirty-three, verse one. Okay, we are now Manasse. in Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-three, verse one. Manasseh was twelve years old. Manasseh was twelve years old when, when he began to reign, and he reigned. Be- 55 years in Jerusalem. Yes, 34-1. 34-1 now. Josiah was 8 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Yesterday, I totaled the years and took the average of the last 11 kings of Judah. The average age was 18 years. They were made king at the age of 7, 8, 12, 16, 20, 25. The average Ghanaian youth thinks that when I am a youth, it's time to just fool around. They dress in such a way that you don't want to mind them because they're youth. You know, they, they, the type of music you listen to, the type of uh, videos... And, and TV programs you watch, the way you walk, you know, and things. Everybody sees this as an unserious youth. You see? But Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise your youth. Let no man mock at you because you are young. Be an example to the believers. Here are kings. Before Jesus was born, age 7, age 8, age 12, age 16, and they were controlling a whole nation. Who says you are too young to be a pattern for Jesus? Who says? Who says? Who says? Josiah began to seek the Lord when he was very young. And he started reforms at that age. I was, I don't know what, what I was like when I came to Legon. I, it's over 40 years now. But one thing I know is that by the time I was leaving Legon, at least seven of my fellow students became pastors. Because of my life. They, are, they, are now, they have been pastors now for well into 35 years. 
and are still in ministry with one wife. You know, I look back, my wife is a result of my ministry. If I had lived a careless life on Lebanon campus, I tremble at the account I will give before God. At least all those my mates who knew me when I was on campus can say that the grace of God, I wasn't messing myself around. One life, one youthful life, lived well for God, can make an impact. I remember we went to Commonwealth Hall to preach in the dining hall. And as we preached, I was preaching that day. They brought knives, forks, and uh, everything. Plates to drum and make a microphone out of the fork. But I preached anyway. When I finished, I said, anyone who wanted to accept Christ should follow me. And when we came out on the steps Commonwealth, one young man came and we led him to Christ. He's now a professor in the U.S. Last time he wrote me a letter. He said, JFK, are you in Ghana before Ghana is so corrupt? <laughs> I, I, at first, I said, ah, what are you thinking? Do you think I alone? But as I thought about it, one life can make a difference. One life, your life given to Jesus can make a difference in your family, at your workplace, in your school. One life. My wife and I were in Hohwe and one young man from Togo came to us. And we had just discovered this disciple making. So we camped him for 10 days and just taught him, discipled him. He went back and we told him next year when you are coming, if you come alone, we will send you back. Bring at least one disciple. The next year, he brought two. Then the next year, there were seven. Then the next year, last this year, Easter, they had a convention. 2,500 baptized adults. 1,100 children. My wife is my witness. One life, one life, one life as a youth can make a difference. Why waste it? Why waste it? You just go and Google and see the training that ISIS is given to its youth and children. You see the soldiers, children, young, young boys, five, eight years old in uniform, being trained seriously, and they were interviewed. So I said, I want to grow up and go and kill a hundred thousand people in Russia. And the Christian church has youth who are just entertaining themselves. In the face of such global issues, any youth who is wasting his life or her life is a disaster to the church. My third lesson 
has to do with the encounter of Josiah with the Bible. We've read it. It's in 2 Kings 22, verse 11. And the Chronicles is 34, verse 19. He said, you know, as part of the reform, he wanted the temple to be cleansed and repaired. And as they were cleaning and repairing the temple, they came across, the high priest, Hilkiah, came across the book. And he gave it to Shaphan, the secretary. And the secretary read it and said, what? And gave it to the king. He read it before the king. And the king tore his clothes. So what? 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 You have to understand that his son, Josiah's son, Jehoiakim, the same word of God by Jeremiah was read to him in Jeremiah chapter 36. And as they read it, he cut it and put it in the fire. Josiah's son, the father, tore his clothes when he heard the Bible. The son tore the Bible and put it in the fire. Whenever we come to church, for some people, it's entertainment. They come only to be entertained. It's a social group. But the difference in your life, in your convictions, in your beliefs, comes from your attitude to the Word of God. Never since the world began has heaven granted a Bible on everybody's iPad and phone and computer. It has never happened. Even Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when he went into the temple from verse 16, we are told that a scroll of Isaiah was given to him. You know what that means? They were writing on scrolls and parchments. And so you roll the scroll and Isaiah is 66 chapters of scroll. Can you imagine? So if you were to be carrying just the books of Moses around, you are carrying five scrolls. Five scrolls. So, 66 books of the Bible. You are talking about carrying 66 scrolls when you are going to Volta Hall. Never since the world began has God made His Word available to every human being. But right now, how many people read the Bible? And those who read it, are they touched by the Bible? Are they moved by the Bible? Are they convicted when they hear the word of God? Are they? You look through the Bible. The most thorough reforms in the whole scriptures come from Bible-based convictions. When Ezra got home, because he mastered the Bible so much, everything happening in Israel, he could tear his clothes and weep. When Nehemiah finished building the wall, they called for Ezra to bring the Bible. And the verse we quote often, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, 
The joy of the Lord is our strength. Where did it come from? Nehemiah 8, 8 said they read the Bible to the people. And as they read, the people wept when they heard the word of God. And they calmed them down. Don't weep, don't weep, don't mourn. Today we must rejoice. The joy of the... Sometimes I go to preach, and the more I preach with my heart, the more people smile, laugh, mock. And I'm like, where are we getting to? You see? What is your attitude to the Word of God? Isaiah 66, verse 2 and verse 5, God says, even though He inhabits heaven, this is the man to whom I will look, the one who is of a humble and contrite heart and trembles at my word. You see? Fears the word of God. These days, our Bibles are dusty. And of course, because you are not reading the Bible, that's why you think you are such a good Christian. Certainly. You think you are a good husband or good wife, because you don't read the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more you are conscious of your, your low standards before God. Because proper conviction, lasting conviction, only comes when you are exposed to the Word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 22-29, You err because you don't know the Scriptures, nor the power of God. John chapter 8, 31-32, Jesus said that if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. John 17, 17. He said, sanctify, make them holy in your word. Your word is truth. It is the word of God that impacts the heart and brings a permanent conviction. Isaiah 48 says that the flower fades and the grass withers. But the word of our God shall stand forever. You see, if people tell you smoking is bad, and because of that you don't smoke, your conviction is skin deep. You can go back to smoking. But when you read the eternal word of God, and it convicts you, you will see that any time you pick a cigarette, something in you will talk. Without the conviction of the word of God, our lives as Ghanaians will remain shallow. All this noise about false prophets, people deceiving, all kinds of things, and things going on, and all this mess. Why? Because you have a PhD in, in biochemistry, but you have never read the whole Bible through. You are an educated illiterate. That's to put it gently. Yeah, because the Bible... Is the most read book in the whole world. It has been the world's bestseller from the time of John Gutenberg in 1545 till today. It's the most translated book in the whole world. Over 3,000 languages have a portion of the Bible. If you have never read the Bible through before, your master's degree, your PhD, your professorship is useless before truth because you don't know as much as you know. Because you got your PhD in the uh, in studying a frog. Yeah. But the scripture, the word of God, gives, gives universal access to truth. 
I challenge you, if you are here, you have never read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I challenge you, if you have a degree, to go back and look at it. You are an illiterate. Quote me anywhere. I'm prepared to defend it. You are an illiterate. You see? Because genuine conviction, which comes to a person's heart, comes because you read the word of God for yourself. And you wake up. And some of the things you are doing, you stop. You know, when I first read the Bible, the whole Bible through, it took me 40 days. I was like, what? I had myself, my big brother, and my, one of my other big brothers, three of us from the same father, slept with one girl the same day. I didn't see it as anything serious. Then I read the Bible. I said, what? It's a curse. And I'm like, wow. You, you are happy with yourself because you don't know much. It's just like people in the village who are drinking a lot of colored water. And when you go to that village, they give it to you. say, this water is very sweet. Oh, oh everybody drinks it. But you know that water should be colorless, odorless, tasteless. Yes. And so, because of you, your knowledge, when they give you the water, you say, oh, I've brought some pure water. I have Voltic, so it's okay. It's okay. And you smile. In the same way, when you read the scripture, you see how dirty you are before God. That's what happened to jo Josiah. He was a reformer, seeking God cleansing the temple before he read the Bible. And he tore his clothes. So what? What is this? The church must rise up and inspect Bible reading. Many of the books we drag along in physics, chemistry, and uh, medical school are bigger than the Bible. But we read them. We study them for exams. And that's for this earth. Wait till we get to heaven. You will understand what I'm saying. When, when we get to the gate of heaven, you will congratulate me for what I'm telling you. Yeah, that's the truth. And then, the fourth lesson from his life is the impact of his leadership. After he tore his clothes, the second king, uh, 23, says from verse 1, that he, he took all his elders, officials, and the whole of Jerusalem and Judah. And, and he took them and they read the Bible to them. And he led them to, to, to recognize, oh, what a nation. Many of us, particularly politicians, immediately you rise to the top, you feel you are beyond the Bible. But Deuteronomy 17, verse 14 to 18 says that when a king is installed in Israel, the first thing he should do is to get a copy of the law, the book of Moses, written for him so that he may read it all the days of his life so that his heart will not be lifted up above his brethren. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14. When you come to the land that the Lord your God has given you, 
and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will start a king over me. We like shall have elections. Oh, please go on. I'm just commenting. Like all the nations that are around me. Yes. You may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers, you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you, mm. who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself, or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself. Let his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. He shall write for himself a copy of this law. Yes. Verse 19 says, And it shall be with him, and he shall read it, in, read in it all the days of his he life. He will read it all the days of his life. Why? That he may learn to fear. He may learn to fear God, and that his heart will not be lifted up above the heart of his brethren. It's okay. Yeah. They know that he's there. That's enough. So that's the uh, the, the impact, you know. When life wraps on life, something happens. It takes a changed person to change others. If you are not changed and you want people to be changed, it's war. It is when you change that you can impact others. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Just as iron sharpens iron, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Proverbs 13, 20 says, if you walk with wise men, you will be wise. The companion of fools will be destroyed. Ecclesiastes 9, 18 says, one sinner destroys much good. First uh, Corinthians 15, 33. It says that bad company destroys good character. Don't be deceived. All the noise we are making about discipleship is because one life impacts another life. You are like this today. Because of the people in your life. Because of the books you read. Because of the TV shows you watch. Because of the things you have gone through in life. That's why you are like this. If you allow a lot more of TV to influence your life, when you speak, TV will come out. You see? If you read more of the Bible, when you speak, Bible will come out. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you don't store something in your heart, it can never come out. It can never come out. A lot of women who complain they forget Bible verses, remember insults over 20 years. They can even tell you the cloth they wore that day. Without uh, inspecting it. It's not a memory problem. It's a character issue. It's a pattern. If you are a football fan, you remember. If, I don't want to care. So, the impact of this life. You know, can you imagine if at work, because of you alone, because of you alone, the people at work change. I was so excited when one of my church members shared a testimony with me. There was corruption at a workplace. And they came and arrested all the top officials. And the more they dug into it, 
the, the more nasty the whole thing came. And then they came to her. And her hands was, were clean. And the police headquarters apologized to her. Now she's the head, the regional head of her department. Because, you, and I said, these are the kind of people I'm proud of. To, be, to pastor such people. But that's not the whole story. There was somebody who was searching for a faithful person at Makola, her shop. And we looked through our church and got a lady who was a prophetess. She spoke in postgraduate tongues and, and, and prophesied. And, and we gave this lady out because she was unemployed. In a very short time, the secret came. The owner of the shop slapped her. What did you take from the shop? She said nothing. But with the slap, a shirt fell out. She had sewn a shirt to her skirt. And that's how she stole. Anytime she will leave as if she's carrying nothing. But a, a, a person who speaks in tongues and is prophesying. And your pastor sat on your case and said, you are unemployed. Let's help you. Go and help this woman. Look, look, look at that. Shame. Shame. Anyway, I know I wouldn't be able to finish this sermon. Shall we be on our feet? Please. If you are here and you are not sure that you are a child of God, I, I won't call you out, but make sure you see your pastors and elders when we close. The only way to know you are a child of God is that there is a change, a transformation in your life. If you have accepted Jesus 105 times and there is no change, anybody who tells you you are born again is deceiving you. You are not born again. The evidence that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus is because the word of God has lodged itself in your spirit and a transformation has come. You can change this nation. You can change your family. You can be the, the change factor at your workplace. You can make a difference at your school. You can. Why don't you just speak a word to God about yourself? You have heard about Josiah, the reformer. Just speak a word to God about yourself. The impact of your life. Are you a youth? Are you a youth? Are you wasting your youth? Are you wasting your life? Are you an adult? Are you tasteless, saltless? Or are you a reformer? Are you somebody who the impact of whose life goes back generations because you have touched people? Let me pray with you. Everlasting Father, thank you for everyone hearing my voice. You can change Ghana. You need only to change me. My prayer is that the coming King Jesus, whose life has changed the world and lives in us, will be a change agent for your people throughout this week, this month, and the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, Amen.
Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.